just seven years old when my mom decided to marry her long time boyfriend uncle kinsley you see mom had me for a man who was already married she got pregnant while they were having an affair and when he found out he didn't want to have any doing me or my mom anyway my mom started dating Kinsley some years later and by the time I was seven years old they've been dating for three years and so they decided to get married mom was happy I was happy basically because I was gonna be the flower girl you know I couldn't wait to wear that pretty dress and look you know it was my dream to be a flower girl for my mom it was amazing I was just excited and I liked Uncle Kinsley Uncle Kinsley always come with good stuff you know sweets cookie whenever he comes to visit he always came with something for me so he was my friend I really liked him and I was happy that he was going to become my daddy I was finally going to have a daddy but then things began to change when I hit 11 I just entered junior high junior secondary school and my you know I started my body I started to change puberty was hitting at my door so my breast was beginning to grow you know little changes at first uncle uncle kinsley would tease me come here you kaima come here kaima come here you this tiny you your tiny breast you know he'll just he always use it to tease me him and mom so i never thought anything of it sometimes you know i would notice that he would mistakenly keep touch me in my breast like I don't know maybe he's trying to pass or I'm trying to collect something he like just find some way to have his hand or one part of his body touching me somewhere on my body it was Uncle Kinsley I didn't think anything of it but there was a part of me that wasn't really comfortable with the touching you know I was becoming a teenager I knew some things even though I didn't really understand them in full and my mom you know she was really not someone that paid a lot of attention to me one because she was pregnant at that time for my younger sister and so well I didn't say anything to her about it until when mom had to go and get, have a baby it was just uncle kinsley at home who had to watch me and hey i didn't think of anything and then when mom left for the hospital uncle kinsley went with her we all went with mommy and then after the baby was born i and uncle kinsley came back home and that was when my nightmare started I was in the living room, had changed my clothes and was ready, getting ready for bed. 
when Uncle Kingsley, aka Daddy, called me. Like, Kaima, come to my room. I, I didn't think anything of it. I thought he wanted something. So I went there and I saw him lying on the bed, covered with the, the blanket or the duvet. You know? And he was like, he's really sick. C- can you get me um, some painkillers and a cup of water, please? I was worried. I was like, oh, wow, what happened to him? Why is he sick? I'm like, Daddy, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm really, really feeling sick. Please, my darling, help me. So I rushed into the bathroom. I got the pill where mommy always kept it and got him a glass of water and went back to the room to give it to him. But as I was about to leave the room, he was like, can you just help me tuck in the sides of the blanket so my legs won't be coming out? I'm really cold. As I bent down to adjust the blanket, I noticed something sticking out between his leg, like not really showing from the blanket, but I could feel something hard standing between his legs. I quickly jumped up. Um, I, you know, I was embarrassed, like, okay, I think I touched daddy somewhere. But when I looked at his face, he had this smile. But like, it doesn't bite. In my head, I'm like, I was just saying, I'm sorry. I wanted to leave, and he grabbed me. And I was like, just looking at him in confusion. Like, what's this man up to? He grabbed me, and I fell on on him in the bed. And he began to touch me. I was like, Daddy, no. You're like, shut up your mouth. I'm not your daddy. Who is your daddy? Shut up. And I began to cry. I was like, please, no, please. You're like, if you keep, if you make noise and the neighbors come in, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna deal with you. Now keep quiet. Out of fear for my life, I kept quiet. That is. And he began to touch me inappropriately. And he sticked his finger inside my private area. And when he was done, you know, I got up and I left. I went into my room. I remember feeling like the worst kind of person. I didn't understand what just happened. I knew I didn't like what happened. I knew it wasn't supposed to happen like that. I knew it was wrong. But then I was like, I need to tell mommy something. And I, it's like he he knew that my head was spinning. So he came into the room, to my room, and was like, if you mention any of this to your mother, I would deny it. And I would tell her that it was you. And you know, he just told me, and I'm going to leave your mother, and you know your mother cannot do without me. You know, just threatening me, basically. And I, I didn't say anything. I told him, I'm not going to say anything. So I kept it to myself, even when mom got back from the hospital. It didn't end that night. He kept on doing this to me whenever mom was asleep. My mom just had a baby, so she was always exhausted. In the middle of the night, he would creep into my room and molest me. He never actually penetrated or raped me anyway, but he come, he was suck on my tiny boobs and 
touch me and put his fingers anywhere he wanted while jerking off. And when he was done, he would leave. And this continued for until I was in GSS 3, I'm about to write my junior work. Somehow I convinced mom that I would like to do my senior secondary school in a boarding school. And hmm, mom was like, okay. After all, it's just one less mouth to feed in the house, right? Because by this time, my mom had had two more kids, a boy and a girl. This and so where? Three plus my dad, Uncle Kingsley. Nobody knew the hell I was going through. Nobody even suspected. When mommy put me in boarding school, I was excited. On holidays, I would tell mom that, oh, I have to, I'd rather go to my grandmother's place to spend the holiday than go home. Even when granny would ask me, why don't you want to go to your house, this girl? I'm like, granny, I have new friends here now. Don't, don't send me back. I didn't want to tell granny what was going on. But my granny, she was a very wise woman. She didn't push me, but she suspected something was up. But I never got to tell her and I regret not telling her. But after I finished secondary school, I had no more excuse to go into Granny's place. Although I, I was still going, you know, after my work, I told mom I wanted to wait for my results with Granny. And I had friends there and, you know, Lagos wasn't comfortable. I wasn't used to Lagos anymore. I didn't have friends. That was my story. That was my excuse. And I stuck with it. And mom didn't. Mom like, you have to come and help me with your younger ones. I said, mommy, I will, I will come and visit. Whenever I come to visit, I will make sure that I was always where my mom was. If my mom is not home, I'm not home. I will go out of the house with the kids and stay or stay with a neighbor or something. I, would, I tried as possible not to be in the same house alone with my so-called dad. And any little time, he started looking for ways to, you know, get me alone. Even if it was a second. Sometimes I might be in the kitchen cooking, he would come in and he will touch me or fondle my breast or whisper some nasty stuff into my ear. Like, you have to wait for me or open your window this night so that I can come. But I'll just keep quiet. I don't, I don't reply or respond to him. But I was always kind of rude to him and my mom was getting irritated by my attitude she'd be like what's wrong with you why are you always rude to your father and my mom like it, I, I, I don't i couldn't tell mommy what why i was like that but she kept blaming me for it and i knew that there was no way i would tell this woman my problem and she would believe me and then my mom had to go for a party one weekend it happened that after a while, I had to move home fully. One, because grandma died. And there was nobody for me to use as an excuse that I was going to see. So I had to move back in with my mom and her family. That's what I called them. I love my younger ones, don't get me wrong. But that place was a living hell for me. I just couldn't be comfortable there. I started being rebellious to my mom or my my dad, not my mom. And my mom would get mad and insult me and call me names. 
and deep down I will cry most nights I will cry myself to sleep I will lock my door trying to make sure that he doesn't come but one day mommy had to go for a wedding outside town out of town not in Lagos outside of Lagos and I was to babysit the kids my dad Uncle Kingsley wasn't home for a while he also traveled I didn't I didn't know I didn't care to find out where he was but it's like he knew mommy was gonna be away for a while he I don't know if he was on roofs or something but he came back earlier than he should thing was after I put the younger ones to sleep now at this point I was 17 almost 18 years old I kept saying one more year I'll be legal legal enough to live on my own or make decisions by myself so I can run away that's what I kept telling myself but after putting the kids to bed that night my younger ones were fuzzy so we stayed up a bit late my mom is not home dad is not home might as well enjoy the house to ourselves so we watched the movie and we fell asleep on the couch I took them into their room and I just decided to sit down for a bit in the living room and sleep you know just rest and I fell asleep the door was locked I felt secure I wasn't expecting anybody but uh, I don't know how long I was asleep for when I was startled awake by someone touching me I wanted to, I woke up and I was about to scream but then the hand was over my mouth and it was Uncle Kingsley he was smelling of alcohol he had been drinking but he wasn't drunk trust me he wasn't because he knew everything he was saying and we're like hmm you've been running from me why what did I do to you I'm like Uncle, Uncle leave me alone I'm like uh, it's me don't you miss me I miss you I've missed you so much and he was just fondling my breast and touching me inappropriately it was like I was fighting him off and he got mad so he began to he held me by the neck and he was choking me like if you keep fighting me it's not gonna end well for you so just take out I was crying I'm like please don't do this I don't want to he was like just shush you're going to enjoy it I'll be gentle I won't f- don't worry I'll be done soon you will enjoy it don't you always enjoy it besides I'm going to give you something nice as he was talking he was raising up my nightwear and he practically tore my underwear off me and he had his way with me and I remember laying like a log of wood on the floor because I was exhausted from trying to fight him off and trying to breathe at the same time and he raped me and when he was done he kissed me it was this was disgusting sloppy thing smelling of alcohol I remember dragging myself to my room locking my door and crying my eyes out why is this happening to me I kept asking myself why me have I offended anybody is this a cause or something is there a sign on my head that says rape me or I'm, I'm available to be destroyed or raped I cried myself to sleep the next morning oh the way I scrubbed my body 
I felt like peeling off my skin. While in the shower, I came up with the idea of, I'm going to be in this house for this month. I can't run all the time. So I decided to always sleep with a wet one under my bed, a knife. Something that wasn't really obvious, but you know, it was this. There was this very sharp knife in my house. You know, we always have, everybody has this one knife that was very, very sharp that we liked. Well, I sharpened it very well, and I kept it under my pillow. In my mind, that was my saving. That was what I was going to use to protect myself. He didn't come to me for several nights because I was always locking my door. He would come in the night. He would bang the door. I won't answer. Unbeknown to me that this imp, that disgusting pedophile, had made a, a copy of my key, the key to my room door. And one night, just before mommy got back, mommy was to return in about two days. And I was like, I'm going to tell mom this time around, I can't take this. So I, I was like, I'm going to fight him. And I'm going to tell mom and I don't care. But that night I thought my room was secure. I locked my doors. And when I lock my door, I take the key with me so nobody can. I don't know. I just locked the door. I didn't put the key at the keyhole. Somehow I locked the door, put the key in my pocket. I went to sleep. In my head, I was safe. But that night, I was asleep. Normally, I would be alert. But because he had... He hadn't tried to come in. He wasn't able to come in for several nights after I locked the door. I felt safe, so I fell asleep and I tried to. I just, I slept deeply. I wasn't really as alert as I usually was. And obviously, got into my room thanks to the key he made. And what woke me up was the feeling of somebody getting on top of me on my bed I jumped up awake and I was like I was crying I was like leave me alone no leave me but I couldn't reach my knife it was under my pillow and it had my hand pinned again above my head so he raped me again this time he was mad he was like why how can you why do you why do you keep locking me out what's wrong with you this girl haven't i done anything nice for you all the things i did for you and your mother you are so ungrateful just because i love you you have to treat me like that i was crying i was begging he didn't stop until he was done and he had this disgusting look on his face like he was satisfied and he was grinning and I just snapped. Once I knew that my hand was really it was no more held down, I reached under my pillow, grabbed the knife and I stabbed him on this in the stomach. When I realized what I had done, I jumped off of the bed because the blood was just gushing. I left the knife still stuck inside of him. I didn't even bother pulling it out. I was just shaking like a leaf. Like I was scared because he kept, he was groaning. He couldn't, like, in shock. I was in shock. He was in shock. Like I stabbed him and I was like, yeah, in my mind, I just stabbed somebody. In his mind, he couldn't believe that. 
I could stab him. We were both shocked. And then he fell on the floor. It was just messy. There was blood everywhere. I panicked. So I grabbed my sweater, grabbed my grabbed the a jogger trousers I had laying around. I just put it on so fast, like I think the back was in front. Wore my sweater, grabbed my slippers and I ran out of the house. I didn't stop. I just kept going. I didn't know where I was going. I thought I'd killed somebody. Because I kept hearing the sound of him groaning in pain, like who was about to die. I was just so scared, so I ran. I kept running that night, and I found myself, I don't even know where I was, because it was dark. What stopped me was I bumped into someone, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry, I didn't see you there. I didn't even see who I was apologizing to. As I was about to keep going, the person stopped me. Oh, I panicked. I was like, have they caught me? And I looked up. He was like, I know you. I'm like, no, you don't know me. I'm like, wait, I know you. Aren't you? Kaima. You, you go to Federal Government College. I said, yes. I said, don't you remember me? We used to be in the same college in your junior secondary days now. It was one of my crush in high school. My young junior high school. You know, that was the days when you just start having a crush on someone. But... I was a mess, so I didn't really, I wasn't really a social person. I was kind of shy. He was like, it's me, it's me, Chike. Ah, it's me, Chike, Chike, your classmate. I'm like, I don't remember it. He was like, come on, it was you and me and Tola that were friends. I was like, ah, Chike, Chike, okay, okay, I remember. But look, as I was answering him, I was looking left, right, center, everywhere, trying to see if anyone was coming. He was like, what are you looking at? What are you looking for? Why are you in so much hurry? I'm like, Chike, I can't talk right now. I need to go. He was like, where are you going to? I said, I don't know, but I just need to leave here. He was, I was like, he was like, ah, calm down. What's going on? So he, I was just crying. He was like, is that blood on your hand? I quickly put my hand in my pocket. I, I said, no. So he took me towards one pavement and we sat down. And he said, something is up. What's going on? So I was like, I don't know. My, I kind of like give him a short version of what happened. I missed out the part that I was the one that stabbed my stepfather and he bleed. And I, said, I just saw him on the floor and I was bleeding and I panicked. So I ran. I was like, why would you run? Did you, why didn't you stop the call? I said, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't, I don't like him. So I just didn't want to. She was like, he was like, it's okay, calm down. Like, do you have anywhere to sleep tonight? I said, not really. He was like, I was about to head out to the club to meet my friends. But I could just drop you off in a motel or somewhere where you can rest the night, spend the night. And I'll check on you in the morning. And like, okay. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for helping me. Like, no problem. I probably would have used the money for beer anyway. Might as well use it for something good. So he took me to one of these nearby small brothels, you know. That wasn't any big deal, you know. And he paid for a room for me. He, uh, he, he didn't come into the room with me. 
but he when he went into the room he gave me the money in his hand after paying for the room it was almost ten thousand naira. like how come you have all this money in your hand like when you have parents like mine that think money solves everything you need have money <laughs> and he laughed i'm like okay well i promise i'll pay you back don't he was like just don't just try to rest i'll come and check on you in the morning but in my head i like mm, if you see me so i went into the room and i locked the door as with all the locks i could see on the door i locked the doors and i don't know i was paranoid so i didn't even sleep on the bed i slept right behind the door i just sat on the floor there and that's how i slept i held my money tight in my pocket my hands my hands were in my pocket and by as early as 4 a.m i was already a lot so i got i found a pen and paper and i scribbled a little note so chicken like thank you for helping me last night but i'm i don't think i can stay around here i need to go as far away as possible from lagos but i promise i will pay you back every cent every penny the moment i can you know get my hands on money I'm like but thank you you were you're an angel so i signed it Kaima, and i left the note at the reception i told them someone is going to come and check on me the the, the guy that left me dropped me here, here that could you please give this note to him so she said okay so i left i took a bike to the nearest motor park I got there and I got the first ticket I could get to Abuja. In my head, Abuja was the farthest place I could think of. It was up north. It wasn't in the east. It wasn't in because I thought if I go to the east, people will, my, my mom would try to go and check there because I spent most of my years there after school, you know, with granny. So I just said Abuja. That was the first place that came to mind. So I bought the ticket. It cost me 7,000 naira. So I had just 3,000 naira left on my hand. I didn't know what my plan was. I didn't know what I was going to do in Abuja, but I just knew that I had to get to Abuja. So I bothered the bus. It was until the bus started moving that I finally fell asleep. We were way into our journey, like almost halfway into the journey when and the, the bus stopped, so I startled away. I almost hit my seat, seat partner. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, it was a lady. And she's like, it's okay. Are you having a bad dream or something? I'm like, huh? What, what do you mean? So you kept muttering and kept moving about on your, while you slept. I'm like, no, no, I was not having a bad dream, sorry. Okay, well, my name is um, Casey Kelichi. What's your name? I'm on that one. I said, um, Kaima. She said, okay, well, is this your first time to Abuja? She just tried to make small talks. I'm like, I kept being very, very skeptical and careful. But I kept answering that question. Yes, my first time. Are you going to meet someone or school? What's taking you to Abuja? 
I'm like, lady, you ask the most questions. She's like, I'm sorry, I didn't need to. I was just trying to, you know, make conversation. I felt really embarrassed for my attitude and like, I'm sorry for being rude. It's my first time to Abuja and uh, it's complicated. And she was like, okay, well, we're stopping to get something to eat and those that to pee and relieve ourselves. Do you want to? Come down, have lunch. I'm like, I don't really have a lot of money with me, so I think I'll just sit in the bus. She's like, just come down steady. I'll pay for lunch. Come and pee or stretch your leg. We've been in this bus for hours. So I came down from the bus. We went and sat at one small kiosk by the roadside. She bought boiled corn. And we sat down, we're eating the corn. She was like, so tell me now. Kelechi or Casey was an older lady. Like she, she was, she was like almost ten to fifteen years older than I am. She's older than me. I was just some one seventeen-year-old girl that ran away from home, and she was like in her late twenties. So I told I told her my story, and she was crying. She she felt really sorry for me. She like poor you. Oh my God! So what are you going to do in Abuja now? Abuja is not a small place, so like I don't know. I just want to go as far as possible. You're like, it's okay. Let, maybe who knows? Let's let's get Abuja first, shall we? So we, she kept me company. We kept talking until we got to Abuja. All my plan was I was just gonna wait till I get to the final stop at Abuja, and if I don't, if I get too confused, I will just sleep at the bus stop there. Uh, the bus garage and I'll find find my life or my way from there. When we get got down at the at the, the final bus place, the bus stop, I just came out and I was just looking around in confusion. I didn't have any luggage, I didn't have any bag, so it was just me and the clothes I had on and my three thousand naira in my pocket. Like where do I head to now? I was beginning to feel downcasted, deserted, confused. And Casey walked up to me and like, "Do you want to go home with me?" I looked at her and like, "Hmm?" She's like, "I live alone. I'm a nurse. You can come with me. You can come and stay with me for a while until you decide what you want to do next." And I was like, are you sure? She said, yes. But let me warn you, I'm a very terrible cocoa. I don't know how to cook that much. I'm not really trained. <laughs> I don't really know how to cook. I said, I know how to cook now. She said, fine. You pay for your stay by cooking. And I'll take care of the rest. I looked at her like, this woman for real. But I didn't, I didn't even want to argue. Look at me, I've, sent, I've seen free board, free place to sleep before. I'm taking it. So I got into I got into the cab with her that took her to her house. We went to her house. And it was just a simple flat. You know, I was just happy to find someone there. I remembered the prayer I prayed at the motel where I slept in Lagos. I remember telling God that if he gets me out of Lagos. I know that I've not been 
the most faithful servant or praying Christian. But I promise I will start praying to him. I will start serving him more. But I just needed to get out of Abuja, uh, of Lagos. And well, I just saw it as this was God's hand. This was God helping me. Well, I and Casey been living together for a while. It, it was almost like two months down the line when I started being sick. I was nauseous. I was very sick, vomiting. And she she was a nurse. So she's like, you don't look good. You look pale. Have you been sleeping well? I said, not really. My tummy has been aching. I've been vomiting. She asked me, when was the last time you saw your period? I said, I haven't seen it since in two months now I, I just put it as maybe because I was very stressed and it was just delaying I, I didn't I've not even thought about my period to be honest that was the last thing I was thinking about I began to panic like what does this mean I haven't seen my period she was like don't need to panic I'm coming so she went to, she went out came back home with a pregnancy test stick and asked me to go to the bathroom and pee on them the worst thing that could ever happen to someone just happened I peed and it came out positive I was pregnant for Uncle Kingsley like the rape had produced the child what am I going to do what do I do? I'm, I'm, I'm a child myself. So when I came back out, I was crying. I'm like, I can't raise a child. Not even, I can't have a child. I specifically cannot have this child. This child is not, is a reminder of my pain. I'm, I'm, besides, I'm, I'm still a child myself. How can I be a mom? I can't do it. I can't do it. I was crying. I was crying. And Kilisi was like, listen, just take it one day at a time. I was like, I want to get rid of it. I don't want. But then she was like, don't make any harsh decisions yet. Just take it a day at a time. Okay. So she tried to cheer me up, but oh, my day was ruined. I, I knew my life was over. How was I going to go back to school? Even if I knew I would, it was a long shot going back to school. Well, being pregnant at 17, like, especially it was, I was like, I was about to turn 18. I was about to be an adult. I was, in my head, I was like, just like when I was, everything was about to take shape for me. I was finally be old enough to be independent. And I was just crying. I was unconsolable. And as the moon passed by, one one day, I wanted to take my life. I had written a suicide note, and I got my hands on some sniper, rat killer, and I was going to mix it up with Fanta. <laughs> I wanted to die, but I didn't want to die with something bitter in my mouth, so. I got a bottle of Fanta and I was going to mix it with a sniper and drink it. But somehow, 
I want I was gonna wait till Casey went to work and then I was gonna do the deed and sleep off and go from there. But for some I guess it was a divine hand of God that was working because Casey of all days that day forgot her wallet at home. She had left for work and she realized that she didn't have a purse with her so she came back she came back she saw she came to my room to ask me have you seen my wallet then she saw the sniper on my table and saw me writing like what are you doing i had nothing i was i wanted to lie but then i started crying i told her i can't do it i can't do it and she just like she took everything from me held me close and allowed me to cry she said let me tell you something life tends to throw different kind of curves at you throws hard balls at you sometimes it doesn't matter that you fall what matters most is how you that you stand up and how you deal with yourself after you have fallen do you remain down or do you get up? I'm like, I'm not I'm not interested in all this. Your motivation now speak auntie. Auntie, I don't want, I don't want, I want to die. And she said, Let me tell you my own story. I have been through what you are you are going through now. And I would give anything to even have a child of my own. I'm like, what do you mean? She said, her case was a bit similar. She had been living with a man that she thought was her father for years. She was very close to this man. Let's call him Mr. Okafor. Mr. Okafor raised Kelechi like his own child until Kelechi's mom became sick. She had cancer and Mr. Okafor loved his wife so much that when she died, he was the grief destroyed him, turned him into a beast. I said he raped you too. He said no, he didn't. He just distanced himself from me. He no longer showed me showed her the love that he used to, or the attention, or treated her like you know his you know his favorite or that special kid that she was or she thought she was while they were getting things ready for mom her mom's burial they found some documents that showed that she found some documents that showed that mr okiki was not her biological father she was like she showed it to him and she discovered that he knew quite from the onset he met her mom when her mom was already pregnant and he promised to take care of her and her mom, you know, because he has some kind of sickness that wasn't that didn't let him be able to impregnate the woman. So he was glad to have a woman that came with a ch- child on the way, and it was very easy for him to pretend like he was the father because they were young, you know. And my mom was still on the early stage of pregnancy when they got married. It was fast. He explained everything to Kelechi. She said, Look, Kaima, I was devastated. My father was not my father. So what happens to me? Does that mean I'm a I'm an orphan? 
You're like, no, but Mr. Okafor wasn't the same man after his wife died. He was destroyed. He was eaten up by grief. He started drinking. He didn't take care of himself. But she tried to take care of him do everything a daughter would do for because no matter what she still saw him as her father until one day she came back she was a teenager she was almost 18 when i mean she was just 14 according to her when she came back from school when she was surprised to see her dad mr kafo at home he was clean for the first time he wasn't smelling of alcohol in fact when she came in he was like hey welcome back oh and she was like dad are you okay I'm like yes and he, he was apologizing like i know i've not been the best of dad but i promise i'm gonna make it up to you in fact going to your room i bought you some nice clothes i needed to put it on i'm taking you somewhere and she was like okay she went into her room she saw the clothes they were beautiful but they were a bit too advanced for someone her age that they were revealing short dress you know open but the thing is she, she was a teenager who teenage girl doesn't want to dress like a big girl like whoa daddy bought me this dress oh my god i mean she never thought anything of it and she dressed up and daddy took her out like, where are we going to? She said, my friend is doing a party. So, um, I just thought I would take you with me, you know. Let me show you off a bit. She said, okay. And she went with her dad. At the party, the father allowed her to take alcohol. She like, daddy, I'm like, what allowed to take her? She said, just take a sip. Nothing. It, she just took a sip, but it wasn't sweet, she said. So, I didn't enjoy it. So, I, I stuck, he got me orange, a glass of orange juice. It never occurred to her that there was something in the juice or anything. But apparently, the father had drugged her drink. And she realized she was feeling dizzy and sleepy all of a sudden. So she told her dad, I'm feeling dizzy and sleepy. I said, okay, why don't you go into one of the rooms in this house? Because it was a house party. And lie down. I don't, I'm sure my friend won't mind. And she did just that. She went into the room to lay down. While she was lying down, somebody just walked into the room it was one old allergy and he came inside and she was like i'm sorry is this your room i didn't know she tried to get up to leave and you're like uh-uh yarinya stay now she was like ah, what's going on in her head like i beg i need to leave here before this creepy man touch me but the man came in, locked the door. And was like, she was like, ah, sir, I need to, I want to go out. I'm like, what do you mean you want to go out? Yo, I paid, I paid a lot of money for this time. So you have to give me my money and what? She couldn't wrap her head around it, according to Casey. You paid money for what, sir? She's like, I don't understand, sir. While she was still talking, the man took off his uh, agbada and his clothes with his big tummy it was so disgusting i knew i was in trouble i looked at myself i was wearing a very easy access dress <laughs> what do i do there's no way out there's only one door in and one door out how do i i try to run 
I kept going in a circle. And it's like, the more I did it, the more the man was enjoying it. So I stood still. Like, I thought I, was, I could fight my way. For some stupid reason, I just... It was fight or flight, and I chose fight. But, well, I wasn't strong enough to overpower a man that was ten times my size. And so, he raped me. When it was done, he, I pulled down my clothes. <clears throat> and I walked out to go and cry to daddy when I came got to daddy he was I said daddy I need, let, we need to let's go I said when I got there my dad was just sitting down like in the living room waiting and when I came out he just like are you ready I said daddy something happened but like, let's just just go and when in the car I was crying like daddy that man somebody came to, and he was like uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Are you a child? Are you a child? What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Ordinary. Like, uh-uh. That was when she started getting the memo. Let me tell you, there's no money in that. Your mother's sickness drained me of all my savings. So if you're going, to, if I'm going to take care of you, you must as well pay for our living. You use what you have and get us what we need. And she, she was lost for words. Casey said, I was lost for words. I couldn't believe that daddy was the one saying this to me. I'm like, what happens to school? What happens? Like, if you want to live under my roof, you do as I say. So, it was a thing. Sometimes, the men would come to the house and do what they want with me. Daddy would get paid. And I get to stay under his roof. Sometimes I ask myself, why didn't I run? But I guess I wasn't as brave as you, Kaima. I stayed. I was raped. In fact, at a point, I began to like, if this is my life, I as well enjoy it. So, I just shut off my mind and began to live that life. Dad will get paid. I get to sleep with the men. Sometimes, I tell the men, you have to give me something. So, even if you're paying daddy... My regulars, they knew that they were going to, at least, something must touch my hand. They would pay me, give me some money, as well as give daddy money. My dad never questioned me about anything I made at the side. So, when I realized that I got pregnant on one or two occasions, they were like, eh, we can sort that one out now. Kept taking me to this quack who would take out the baby. I would be sick for like a week bleeding everything but after then I get better and I resume back it was hell I was unhappy I <laughs> couldn't go back to school you know my grades were dropping I managed to finish high school secondary school managed my result was terrible trust me my work result was terrible but then when I finished secondary school I was pregnant. I found I was pregnant again. In fact, people began to know that I was living a weird life because I became very carefree, talked anyhow, did what I liked. There was nobody to stop me. My father wasn't the father. I was just alone. I could do what I wanted. I finished high school. I I took to drinking and smoking. Those were where I drowned my pain, even though it wasn't good for me. 
well I was done with high school and it was like a full time job for me now but I got pregnant one last time and I went in to see the doctor this time I went by myself and he was like ah Casey you don't to do you don't do plenty now this one no go ah be careful no go carry belly again if not if if he just die i think that was the wake up call for me he did his procedure but it took me longer to heal in my mind i knew something had gone wrong that the bleeding was out of this world the pain refused to stop i had to check myself in in fact at a point i didn't i was in so much pain one day my dad came and met me with blood everywhere he panicked and he left me there so I managed to take myself I got out of the house I got onto a uh, uh, a cab the cabman was like madam are you okay which one yeah I said please just take me to the hospital I was still I don't know how I did it but I got myself in the hospital and well I got treated but the doctor finally told me that I was never going to have kids. In fact, I do not have a womb anymore because the last operation was so botched that my uterus was like shattered. It was in in shreds. Basically, I cried. I cried. But I was like, well, it is what it is. It's time for me to get up take care of myself and move on with my life so when i got back home after spending some days in the hospital my i had money been saving at least I, all i do is sleep with men and get paid i didn't really spend money on anything my father got my so called father got paid and he was the one the agreement was you feed me you clothe me i do your bidding so my money all my extra money i saved up and i paid my hospital bill the rest of the money i moved out of the house i stayed in hotels stayed i just i had a lot of money trust me i had a lot of money i had called in one or two favors from one or two allergies trust me i just had to sleep with them one last time it was disgusting but i did it got the money i needed and i left potakot for abuja and i never looked back I came to Abuja. I enrolled myself in evening classes. Took Waiyak again. Passed it this time, and I went into nursing school. And the rest is history. I was just staring at her like, "Hey, you were pregnant." As in, I didn't even know where to. Which one was more dumbfounding? Her story was just crazy. But somehow it gave me. Hope that if she could go through that and still be this wonderful person and continue her life, well, maybe there's hope for me. And so that was how I pushed aside my plan to kill myself.